it's Nurse Shayla. And Nurse Brittany. And you're listening to... Your Your Call call Light is on. I hope you guys are having a great week. Yes. It's hump day. Yes. How's your week been going so far? Great. I woke up this morning $20 richer. Did you? Why? (laughs) Almost $20 richer. (laughs) Well, my credit card, like when you shop now, there's a third-party company who wants access to what you're buying. What? So I said, yeah, sure. I don't care what you if you know what I'm buying. But what they do is they uh, analyze the prices of everything that you've just bought. And mm-hmm. if they find it somewhere cheaper, they you wake up, up. And in my email it says, oh, we put you know $20 back onto your card. Give me the deed. <laughs> I want to know. I need that company up yeah. in my stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a nice little surprise. Oh, so wait, do they... Do, do they credit it back to your yeah they credit it back to my card okay okay yeah that's pretty nice Mm -hmm. i like that yeah can't be mad with that how was your weekend your week Uh, it's been great so far i'm trying this new thing where i wake up early every morning and actually make breakfast because a lot of times i just grab something on the go like i grab a banana i grab a yogurt, I grab a handful of granola, and I'm out the door. But I woke up this morning, literally, like, 4.30, made myself some grits and some plant-based bacon. (laughs) Do not (laughs) knock the plant-based bacon, okay? It's called Smart Bacon, and it's actually pretty tasty. I don't eat it all the time. Whenever I have a hankering for bacon, I eat it. So... Made that this morning, got my day started off pretty great, was feeling a little, my energy was a little, I don't know, weird today, but the fact that I had... Probably because you ate that bacon. (laughs) Do not play my bacon. Anyways, it actually has like a little bit of, a little bit of protein, a little bit. Anyway. Yeah, my energy was a little weird today, but you know, it's we're pushing towards the weekend. It's fine. It'll be great. In and off the week, probably, hopefully, on a positive note. So, the grits. I'm sorry. I just wanted something warm. When the weather starts getting colder, I want a. I like a bowl of nice oat bran or oatmeal or grits. Like mm-hmm. I want something warm in my tummy. All right, that's fine too. Uh, Eggs. Work just fine to me. Yeah, I eat eggs. <laughs> no, so. no, yeah, I know. Yeah. Shayla is uh, our vegan friend. Yeah, I'm something like a vegan. So yeah. <laughs> so dinner is always interesting with her. Yeah, it is. But and I mean that in a good way. Say, I'm not difficult. No, I'm not, difficult. not at all. I can usually find some place. So. So. All right. <laughs> so today's show, yeah. we are talking about hacks. Yes, is nursing, that the right terminology? Yeah, nursing hacks, nursing tips, tricks. Not that we know them all. We would love if you guys told us about some of them. Yeah. But just the hacks that we've learned over our very short careers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So before we get into that, though, we want to do our segment. Your call light is on or off. Okay, so my first one, I feel like it's dumb. But I want to know your opinion about it. It's the four-color ballpoint pen. Do you know what I'm talking about? A mm-hmm. lot of nurses use this. It's a pen that is one pen, but you can click if you want it to be red, blue, black, or green. I see a lot of nurses using this. Call light on or off. 
probably be off just because I'm not that kind of nurse. But many nurses love that pen. I like my black pen and if I have the patient for a second day, then I'll use my red pen or a blue pen, but I don't usually write in different colors. Mm -hmm. But nurses are very organized people yeah. most of the time. You have to be. So we, you, some, you'll see a lot of us that will write in four different colors just to make sure we don't miss anything. I'd agree with you. I'm, I'm off. I like. I usually have like a favorite pen or a favorite mm -hmm. kind of pen, and I don't need it to be different types of colors. And if I'm writing something like official, then I'll use my plain blue or black pen. But I remember when I was on the floor, I used to like to spice it up a little bit and use a little mm -hmm. funky color pen to write my own little notes just because it's fun. Mm -hmm. That's about it. But those pens are expensive, though, too. Are they? And I lose my pens a lot. So. Okay, well, then, yeah, you can't. Yeah. No, you can't so I just mm, call light off. Yeah. All right. Call light on or off on the Nortel phones. Now, a Nortel phone is a, it's a portable phone that nurses carry around. Call light on or off? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> If you would have asked me this while I was working on the floor, I would say off because that would be the most annoying sound when you would hear your phone go off because you knew it was something you had to do or whatever. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm going to say call light on. I mean, it, it's useful. It's a, a means of communication. It's, it's useful. So, so what? Yeah. You can get your calls on it, but if you needed to make a very important phone call and I don't feel the need to, or I don't even really want to go up to the nurse's station to make a phone call, if I'm calling pharmacy or if I'm calling wherever, it's nice to have your own little personal phone on you. So I'll say call light on. Call light on. I agree. They are useful, but sometimes I just want to throw them out of the window. <laughs> um, I've actually had patients kick me out of their room because my phone had gone off too much or interrupted them while they were talk, telling oh me goodness. something wow. and they didn't appreciate it. So <sighs> it, it's annoying for that reason. And I don't like turning on vibrate because then I don't feel it. I don't feel it. But I do wish that, I hope that someone is out there working on a Nortel phone where we could take a message or a text message and respond back. Yeah. Because a lot of things... We don't have to interrupt our patient care to to get them, unless it's something urgent. It would be nice if we could just look down at our phone, see the text message, yeah. or the or or they leave a voicemail and we can listen to it after. But awesome. it is quite annoying. Or if they like immediately transfer a, a patient family member to the phone while you're in a room with another patient, it is very. It's not conducive to to caring for your patients, and it. It does interrupt your flow of, of what you're focusing on for that moment. Mm -hmm. So I say call light on because they are useful, but they could use some improvement. For sure. I agree. You got one more? Absolutely. Dietary room service. Call light on or call light off? The people that come to the room, like to get... Are you so like if patients could call in for their orders... Or like oh, dietary order what, room service. Yeah, if saying. they could just call, like, this is what I want for dinner. <sighs> you this know, is what I'm going to have for from dinner. From my perspective, I want to say call light on. Because do you know how many times nurses get stuck with taking food orders? Or a lot of the times when patients have concerns, it's related to food. I don't like this food. Get me something different. 
take this tray back to the kitchen, get me this, that, and the other. I want another serving of potatoes, whatever. And do you realize how much more I could be doing within the scope of my practice actually related to nursing instead of dealing with your potatoes? I want to say call right on, but I'm divided because then I would feel bad for the dietary people. Because <laughs> you're shaking your head no. I would feel bad for the dietary people because I can just imagine their phone will be ringing off the hook with patients talking about bring me another brownie, that, <laughs> bring me another iced tea, whatever. And, and I can just imagine the headache that they're going to have. So I feel like it's kind of selfish for me to say call light on, but I'm going to say call light on. I'm going to say call light on because that's their job, right? I've worked at some facilities where they have room service and mm. the patients seem happier with their room service orders. Mm. And I didn't find myself always calling dietary to get the orders or to get something that wasn't on the tray because they could just call from their rooms themselves yeah. Yeah. and they could deal with that. Most dietary kitchens, if they're going to go for room service, they're pretty much equipped for room service. I think it is great for facilities who aren't converted over to that yet. Nurses tend to be transporters, dietary, aides. Chaplain. We're all of the above. So yes. if we could take one thing yeah. off of our plate and, you know, have some dietary room service so we're not going down to a kitchen or, or calling the kitchen to get food when we're dealing with a patient who is hemodynamically unstable, Yeah, it's, that's a, another weight lifted off of our yeah. shoulders. So it's great when we have dietary room service. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I see where you're coming from. Great. Absolutely. All right. So tell us about those hacks that you have, Shayla. <laughs> well, I'm just going to start with one here. And, you know, some of these hacks you all might already know. You might be hip to already. But if you don't know... Now, you know, the first hack that I have is in regards to coffee grounds, making those your good friend. If you have a patient who has a fecal management system or a patient who has constant diarrhea, put some coffee grounds into a cup or a coffee filter, leave it in the patient's room, and that will absorb the smell. Of the poop. <laughs> oh, that's genius. Yes. Or another thing you can do is if your floor carries Listerine, take some washcloths and kind of douse them in the Listerine and kind of leave them sitting around the room because I feel like a spearminty kind of smell is better than a poop smell. So either coffee grounds or Listerine, take those and it'll make your room smell much better so that way you're not subjected to smelling feces. Every time you go into the patient's room. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, because those, what are those deodorant oh, sprayers? Oh, spray things. Are, that are supposed yeah. to take away the smell? They don't. They don't. And I feel like I'm spraying the whole dang on bottle. My fingers yeah. got carpal tunnel by the yeah. time I'm done spraying yeah. the whole bottle. Yeah. Or the orange scented ones. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because mm-hmm. we have them in our area. The orange um, sprays. Whenever somebody sprays the orange spray... I know poop is under that smell. 
Yeah. You know, it's kind of like orange and poop mixed together. And it's probably embarrassing, like, when you, you're exactly. pumping the spray. Like, can't get it out fast enough. <laughs> for the patient. <laughs> when you can just sit a cup of coffee grounds yeah. in there. Very discreet. Very discreet. Yeah. I'm going to try that. Next time I have a C. diff person. C. diff, mm-hmm. fecal management. Yeah, or just a smelly patient. A hack that I use uh, is more, like, for the patient... So, you know, if you have like a large patient, a male patient, a large male patient with a really small male part and you need to monitor their eyes and nose. Mm. So you need them to go to the bathroom in the urinal yeah. or walk to the bathroom and sit on the toilet. But most men will say, I don't want to sit down to pee. It's, I think it kind of takes away their manhood. At some, some of them feel that way. Mm-hmm. So they won't go in and sit on the toilet, even though you put the hat in there. One thing that I found for those patients is I will take the urinal and a styrofoam cup, and I'll cut the bottom of the styrofoam cup like funnel, out kind like of a funnel, okay. and then tape it around the urinal. Mm-hmm. And that way they can just stick everything into the cup and then get into the urinal and and it works out okay um yeah i like that just be sure that they don't some of them will start to feel so secure with it they'll want to keep it there oh yeah you gotta make sure you can't keep it there if you got the constant dripple we'll put a a, a breathable pad there but you don't want to keep it there because they're increasing their chance for a skin breakdown or Mm -hmm. ulcer or something like that but it is good to use intermittently yeah and speaking of breathable pads my next tip is about chucks just a plain chucks the little cheapy blue plastic underneath chucks you know not like the actual absorbent pads that we discussed last week use those for everything iv insertions if you're putting in a decent size iv on a patient put a chucks underneath so that way you don't have to worry about getting blood everywhere all over the sheets, all over yourself, all over the floor. Put a chucks down underneath that patient's arm so the blood will go right onto the chucks instead of going everywhere. Same thing with bedpans. If you're just sliding a bedpan underneath the patient really quickly who can't get out of the bed, put an actual chucks, not in the bedpan because that's going to throw off your eyes and nose count, but put a chucks underneath the actual bedpan to catch any residual urine or anything else that might come from that patient so that way you're not having to do a complete bed change and that's on that chucks and you can just slide it out and throw it away so and just think of different ways that you can utilize chucks for things and if you if you have a patient with an ng tube put the ng tube actually underneath the patient on their chest as you're administering meds just use chucks to prevent a mess because you don't want the patient to have a mess all over them you don't want you know your bed your workspace to have a mess all over it so utilize the checks as much as you, as much as you can to prevent a mess i i like that i also use those chucks you know at some point you know uh if the 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 risk are of skin breakdown are greater than the benefits of getting the accurate eyes and nose Sometimes if I'm putting a patient on that bedpan, Mm -hmm. I will use the chuck as a barrier because I don't know if anyone's ever sat on a bedpan 
It is very uncomfortable. uncomfortable. And if you are larger in weight or have very fragile skin, Mm -hmm. the risk of impairing the skin increased with that bedpan. Mm -hmm. I hate bedpans. I I I, Sometimes I I would just wish that they'd just go in the bed and I'll change it right away. Just because it's so harsh (laughs) on the skin. Chucks are, are great for... A lot of things. I'd rather even have a patient use a bedside commode yeah. than to have to. And I hate bedside commodes. It's just yeah. the fact that a toilet, basically, a makeshift toilet is in a patient's, like, in your bedroom. Like, just there. I can't stand. I like them. Bedside mm-hmm. commodes. But I would rather a patient use that than a bedpan. Absolutely. Absolutely. If they can get up, I'm definitely oh, not going using to the bathroom. that. I'm that not giving you a bedpan. bedpan. Absolutely yes. not. Since we're talking about uh, bodily fluids, another trick that I actually learned from an ED nurse is when you have a larger, confused patient and you need to get a Foley into them, if you let them, you know, most of the time they're turned on their side, they don't want to get, you can, it's a lot easier to just put that Foley catheter in when they're on their side. Um, and it's easier to maintain sterile field because you don't have to worry about holding up. All that up. subcutaneous yeah. yeah, Yeah. It's, it, I, I have used that trick many, many times. I'm just visually imagining this and imagining how I would do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just switch them to the side. Same body parts are still there. Yeah. <laughs> you put them on their side and you just don't have that, you know, abdominal yeah. subcutaneous yeah. In your way, you don't have to worry about holding it because it's kind of like... So on the side, lift the leg up. <laughs> yep, okay. and lift that outside leg up. Okay. And then you'd have your perfect window. Okay. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Nice tip. Yeah. All right. So my next little hack is related to IVs. Uh, just know that when you're placing an IV, it's not just about seeing them. And it's not just about feeling them. It's a combination of both. Um, I like to go on a combination of both to place my IVs. And just know that when you're placing an IV, it's better if you go a little shallow, okay? When you're placing the IV, and I don't know if you can picture this with me as I talk this through, but go a little shallow at first. And then you can always go a little deeper if you need to. But you don't want to start off going deep because if you don't go deep, you'll blow the vein. So start off shallow. If you're not seeing blood return, maybe go a little bit deeper and see if you can hit the vein that way. But definitely go not just off uh, feeling, not just off seeing. Go off a combination of both if you can. And just know not to go too deep. Shayla is somewhat of a vein whisperer. (laughs) Somewhat of a vein whisperer. My IV insertion skills, I must say, have definitely They're, improved mm-hmm. over the past, like, two years. So I, I like a challenge. I love when a patient comes to me and says, I have really difficult veins. You know, they always have to poke me, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine thousand times. I see that as a challenge. I'm up for it. I want to do it. So, yeah. Speaking of injections, I was doing a study the other day, and it is flu season, there is a nurse giving a patient a flu shot. And as she she drew up her, her flu shot or, you know, primed the needle, felt for her spot. 
and she poked this patient like she was throwing a dart. I kid you not. The patient jumped. I jumped. It was pretty intense. So my hack for the day uh, for this was just remember what we learned in school when you, I hate giving eye inject, injections oh. but just remember what we learned in school about pulling the skin and doing it at a 90 degree angle and you don't have to be so forceful and I mean I know standard uh, protocol is to use one to one and a half inch needle but as the nurse many of us forget that you have the power to make the call if you have a thin frail patient you do not have to use a one and a half inch needle you can use a five eighths if if they don't have any fat you know to go through i refuse to let anybody poke my arm Mm -hmm. with anything larger than one inch because there's no sub q fat on my arm so um just remember that if, as long as you can hit the muscle, you do not have to use and put your patient through that unnecessary pain of giving that flu shot this season. So use your good nursing judgment. Nursing, we can go a long way just by using our nursing judgment. We have that power to use our judgment. So, yeah, I like and, that. And just remember that IM injection doesn't always have to go in the, the arm. arm. It could go in the thigh, the hip, yeah. or the butt. Some are more sensitive in their arms than others. So I don't think I've ever given an IM injection in the butt. Oh, I did, and it was horrible. <laughs> Why? It was horrible. I did it when I was in nursing school. It was that uh, the depo. Yeah. It was the birth control shot, and it was awful. Huh. It was, I mean, because the, the solution is very viscous. Mm. So the gauge is it's very wide. thick. And yeah. when I injected this, I will never, this is why I hate IM injections. Yeah. It's like you could feel every layer that you were poking through because it was so thick. And I don't, maybe I didn't push it in fast enough, but it was, I hate IM injections. Oh. Yeah, I don't give them off. Just be kind to our patients. Yeah. Don't cause them unnecessary pain. Don't put an 18 in their arm, an 18-gauge IV, if they're not going to need it. Speaking of IVs, that's my next little tip. If you have a patient that's on a continuous drip, say they're on a heparin drip for anticoagulation, put an extra IV in because guess what? Not everything is compatible. And if you have to administer a medication that's not compatible with heparin, Probably not a good idea to continually keep stopping it. Probably just best if you have another IV that you can give whatever fluids or medications through. So continuous drip, have an extra IV on the patient and explain to the patient why it's necessary. We're not just doing it for fun. We're doing it for their safety and it's in their best interest. To piggyback off of that, if you are disconnecting a continuous drip, even if it's just for the patient to get the gallon on, for you to give the patient another injection of you're stopping their heparin for a moment to give them some Lasix or whatever it may be. If that's a continuous drip and you're you're stopping it for some reason, you have to now, instead of changing that tubing in 96 hours, change it in 24 hours. 
So because now it's not continuous, and we know generally across all of the places where all of the hospitals where I have worked, your tubing, if it's a continuous drip, is good for 72 to 96 hours. If, depending on your hospital facility, but if it's an intermittent drip, then it's only good for 24 hours. So now your continuous drip has become an intermittent drip and you have to change it in 24 hours. Mm -hmm. So just keep that in the back of your mind when your patient's like, oh, can you disconnect this so I can get in the shower? Or can you disconnect this so I can take my gown off? Or just throw that extra IV in or you're going to be changing that continuous drip every 24 hours. It's all about infection that prevention. Bag, yeah. And infection we, prevention. Correct, because you, you, we don't want to continue to introduce or increase our patient's risk of being exposed to pathogens. So. And my thing is, especially if it is accessible, put in another IV. Because if you've got a patient who's a hard stick, I know it's easier said than done. Yeah, put in a second IV in that patient, and you're like, yeah, okay. But if that patient has pretty decent veins, or you can you can do it, or you can have someone else do it for you, do yourself a favor and just put in that second IV. At it'll least save try. Yourself. Yeah, it'll save you big time. And especially if you know they're going to be on this, this trip for a while. What do you do when, you're, when you have a patient who's nauseous? What, are, like, what do you do for your patient? Non-pharmacological. Non-pharma- yeah. I typically, and I don't know if this seems like it works, maybe it's mental, I get a washcloth, a cool washcloth, and place it on their forehead. What I wish I could do, but I don't know if I could do it, and if I don't do it, is take some essential oil, some peppermint essential oil. Um, I do that for myself. You can. It's if I ever services. feel that way or if I feel um, like I have a headache coming on, I do that for myself personally. But for my patients, I uh, do a cool washcloth. And does it seem to work? They say it does. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm just intrigued by this because you have a lot of, whether it's post-surgical or normal nauseousness from patients and a lot of times you might have that patient who you've been pushing Zofran, Reglan, you've been giving them medications around the clock and nothing seems to work. So I always, before I even ask for an anti-emetic, I usually will will try like hot tea mm. and saltines. Mm. I have no idea what it what it is with hot tea and saltines, but it has never failed me. So that is, that's my hack for nauseousness. Okay. It has never failed me. Ginger ale, it is a hit or miss. So yeah. that usually doesn't do the trick, which most people, you know, growing up, give us some ginger, ginger ale. ale. Oh, no, it's a cure for everything. <laughs> it's a cure for everything. Oh, you got a cold? Here's some ginger ale. ale. You got a stomachache? Here's some ginger ale. You got a headache? Here's ginger ale. <laughs> But the hot tea and the saltines, Saltines. I have no idea what it is about it, but it works like a charm. Try that. Normally, a cool washcloth is what I do for everything. That's my (laughs) ginger ale. That's like the security (laughs) The bag of ice when you're the school nurse. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah, just here's a cool washcloth here. Or even on the back of the neck, you know. Mm -hmm. I've heard that helps too. Yeah. But you gotta think, it's kind of like a massage. You're hitting those different nerves, sensories that the, so you're able to focus on something else. Mm -hmm. Like when I'm going to go to 
give my patient a shot, like that heparin injection, mm-hmm. I pinch them t- hard. Me too. <laughs> and then I used I to do that too. Me too. Because then they're like, oh, oh that wasn't a bit. I'm like, oh yeah, that's because I was, I I was that I'm like, because that, I was pinching you. Yes. Or so, you know what I do when I put my IVs in? I, okay. Talk. I'm a slapper. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so when I want those veins to pop up. I'm slapping on the skin. I'm slapping, slapping, slapping to the point to where I'm ready to put in that needle. It's pow. You don't even feel it because I've been slapping you so much. You don't even know that needle went in. So I do that. Yeah. And it's kind of. We don't beat our patients. I still beat my patients. But it's kind of like a distraction. It is. It's kind of like. Mm-hmm. Taking away from that initial impact of feeling that sharpness, mm-hmm. and it's dulled a little bit by me because you they yes. have something else to focus yes. on. You know what? Absolutely. I'm sure there's a medical term for that somewhere. I'm sure that's called something. I don't know. Just <laughs> or we can name it. So, something. so if you're giving them a sub Q or a IV, try the slap technique. Slap it, pinch no. it. Yeah. Don't leave them with a bruise. Um, <laughs> but I do. I do pinch them firm. Yeah. To give a sub-Q injection. Yeah, okay. Another thing which which I thought, um, this is just more on the nursing side. I did learn that if you're giving an NSAID, it can decrease the efficacy of a baby aspirin. I know being in cardiac, Mm. a lot of our patients are on baby aspirins. And not all of them are on NSAIDs, but some of them are. Yeah. The NSAID should be given two hours after the the baby aspirin. Just keep that in the back of your mind. That's interesting. I carry alcohol pads on me. I just do because, not because I'm a germaphobe, because I wouldn't consider myself to be an extreme germaphobe, but they are very, very helpful, not only for you, but for your patient as well. When I'm taking off if I'm taking off um, electrodes, if I'm taking off tape from the patient, if I'm taking off an IV dressing, I make sure to have some alcohol with me. That way it can loosen up some of that adhesive and make it a little bit easier for that adhesive to come off. I carry alcohol pads on me for that reason. I also carry alcohol pads on me for my personal self because I wipe down my things. For instance, my Apple Watch. Or if you have a watch that you wear to work, how many think about how many times that comes in contact with your patient's skin? If you're doing a, a bed change or you're cleaning up a rear end, think about how many times your watch has touched that bottom of that patient. Or anything has splashed back up on your, your watch. Or think about the times that you haven't washed your hands and you go pull out your cell phone to respond to a text message. I wipe down my cell phone. I wipe down my pens. I wipe down things that I come in contact with with alcohol pads to kill the germs. And I would encourage everyone else to do the same. Wipe down the phone receivers that you use on your unit because I don't know if your huck or your unit coordinator secretary is wiping down those phones but if i know i'm gonna have a nortel or phone i will wipe that down with some alcohol first before i use it and especially in a time like this flu season that is a true statement because my watch has been in some (laughs) doo-doo i was fully gloved I've, yes, and the glove I, doesn't even cover. The glove does not cover your watch. 
I was fully gloved and had already washed my hands and finished cleaning up the patient and everything was finished and I got outside the door all the way on the other side of the unit and realized that my wash was covered in poo. So, <laughs> yes, please. And double glove. If you are cleaning up poo or you're putting a suppository a cream, in. Suppos- oh, especially a suppository. Yeah. If you're doing a suppository, if you're putting cream on a patient's rear end or like a skin protectant or something like that, Please double glove. Yeah, double glove. And when you're done, slide off that initial set of gloves, and then you have a fresh pair of gloves. The worst thing you want to do, and I've noticed, and I don't know if this is true for everyone, but the quality of the gloves that they're making these days is crap. Yes. These gloves are thin. They tear in a second. Some of them, you pull off the box, they've already got a hole in them. You need to be inspecting the gloves that you're putting on, and if you're doing anything that could be potentially messy, double glove up. Mm-hmm. Double glove it up so you can prevent yourself from having poo on your hands. Absolutely. And everybody's favorite, since we're talking about poo, <laughs> is the mom bomb. <gasps> yes. Or the dirty brown. The mom bomb mom or the mom. dirty brown is what some people call it. It's to be a combination of you got a constipated patient, you give them the, the milk of magnesia. And I like to do warm prune juice. Ew. Milk of magnesia and warm prune juice. Some people do the Miralax and they mix it in with the prune juice. I will, if I use Miralax and prune juice, I still do the warm prune juice. Miralax will dissolve much better anyway. Those really usually do the trick. Unless your patient has like an ileus or something. (laughs) That's a whole different issue. That's a whole other issue, but... Most of the time, you've got a constipated patient. Mom bomb does the trick. But don't give them the mom bomb before they go for a procedure. Yes, that's cool. <laughs> that's just evil. Don't do that. Uh, one more thing I want to say. Call pharmacy. Use pharmacy. If you're ever in doubt for anything, say you don't have the time to look up on, if you have like a Lexi, is it Lexicomp or some kind of drug compatibility calculator, whatever situation. Say you don't have the time to look up to see if two medications are compatible or how it should be administered or what kind of solution it needs to be mixed with for kind of question you have. Call pharmacy. Ask the pharmacist. They will have no problem answering your question. Call them. They're a great resource. And if you're ever in doubt, Call them. Pharmacy is your friend. Yes. Every facility I've been to, I have, and some pharmacists know more than others, but I have always, always referred to pharmacy if I had a question about a drug and that I tried to look up and it didn't tell me or I didn't understand. Every unit has a great pharmacist. They're the ones that are checking your drugs anyway before they get verified. So... Always refer to pharmacy. They are a heaven sent. Yes, they are. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we appreciate your support. Thank you so much. If you've got any hacks or tips or anything you're dying to share with us about how your practice has become easier, uh, comment on our IG page or send us an email. We'll share it. We'll shout, we'll shout you out, okay? Um, IG page is your call light is on. 
Gmail is the same. Thank you again for listening. Have a great day. Bye-bye.